have you been hearing about human design everywhere? I have, and I have been growingly curious about it and how it can apply to me as an entrepreneur and as a human. Today's episode, my guest is Erin Claire Jones, who is a leadership coach and she specializes in human design. She has been featured in Forbes, Nylon, Well and Good, Mind Body Green, and more. And she's here to answer all my human design questions. Erin helps individuals and teams to step into their highest potential by offering the self-knowledge and tools to perform at the top of their personal and professional games. She has consulted for startups all over the world, built companies supporting executives, partnerships, and small teams to operate more harmoniously and effectively. And she is currently traveling the world and bringing this work to people in Greece, in Italy, Bali, and beyond. So the reason I'm so excited about this conversation is because besides talking about human design and what it means to be a projector, Erin is a projector, and to be a manifester, I am one, we talk about how she stepped up with this work and stepped into it on a public level because it turns out she was doing human design even when I met her, but I just didn't really know that. And it's really her stepping up her social media game and stepping into her gift and sharing it with the world through social media is one of the big key pieces to why her career and her name took off the way that it did. And what I am the most excited about in this conversation is that we take Erin's understanding of human design and we apply that to social media, to marketing to how you as an entrepreneur, as a creative, as a healer, can apply the basic principles of human design to know better how to express yourself and to feel like you are flowing with the blueprint of who you are in your marketing, in your business, in your Instagram posts versus fighting something that you're not and trying to be someone you're not. One of the ideas that arose during this episode is to create a series of workbooks that will guide each human design type through how you can apply those principles to marketing yourself and to becoming more visible and to using social media to express yourself and your work in the world. I have noticed that when I teach social media, there are some really powerful concepts that I share that immediately work for some and are more challenging to embrace for others. And I truly feel I have a very strong intuitive hit that piecing together human design and social media strategy that comes from an intuitive place of commitment to being aligned and to being of service that just is going to be such powerhouse. So if you want to learn about that, and if it does in fact come to fruition and is meant to be, then sign up for my email list on wokenwire.com and you'll be one of the first to hear about it. And in the meantime, I also wanted to remind you that September 1st is the last day to join my eight-week conscious social media program. It is all virtual, so you can be anywhere. And this could be the last time that I'm offering it live. So if you're curious how you can bring in your intuition, your inner tech, and your social media presence, your outer tech together, and learn everything I know about building brands online, building conscious businesses online, and creating positive impact in the world using the awesome tool of social media, 
then perhaps this program is for you. So if it speaks to you, then definitely join me if you're ready to really step up and do the work and get clear on your why and to show up unapologetically. And I'm going to support you in doing all of that. So go to wokeonwired.com slash social dash media to find out more and to save your spot. And if you're listening to this after, then still go to the page and there might be something there for you. All right, here is my conversation with Erin Claire Jones. All right, Erin, welcome from Bali. Thank you. Tell us more about where you're calling in from. I'm currently in Abud, um, and I'm here for a month, and it's honestly one of my favorite places in the world, so very happy to be calling in from here. Mm. So guys, to give you a background, Erin and I met in 2016, a few years ago, when we were both on this wellness leadership trip to Israel with an organization called Reality. And Erin, at that time, what I knew about you is that you were doing corporate trainings, if I paraphrase it into how I understood it, to bring conscious approach to leadership. And you wore all white. You looked like a movie star, usually sat in the back of the bus. <laughs> and you were also featured in the film that our friend Alex Colby made about the trip. Oh, yeah. And then I just kept running into you at the assemblage, a co-working space that I'm a member of. And then I watched you step into doing human design and really bringing it globally. And now just to give everyone an idea, if you guys want to follow along, Erin is on Instagram at Erin Claire Jones, and I'm going to link everything in the show notes. And what your page says is Erin Claire, a coach, human design guide, and leadership coach, featured in Forbes, Nylon Mag, and I Am Well and Good. No big deal. Discover your unique design below, a little hand pointing down, and uh, a flag set up in Bali. So tell that me is my bio. <laughs> Let's fill in the blanks. What do you, let's start with what do you actually do on a day to day basis? Yeah. So, and also when I was in Israel, I was actually doing human design then, but focused on bringing it to companies, which I still am now, but you know, it's taken a different shape as it always does. But so for context, human design is a system that really helps people kind of understand their energetic DNA and helps people understand how they're uniquely designed to operate in this world. And so on a daily basis, you know, Today, I do sessions with people. So I do, I did a few private sessions today. I also have an offering called Blueprint where I sort of hand make a PDF based on somebody's design. So I made a bunch of those today and then a bunch of other things, you know, that's kind of the two individual offerings. And then I do a lot of work with companies as well. So kind of helping people better understand themselves and the people that they work with, because I believe that that's a missing piece in the company world. And I think that when we really understand ourselves and understand what place each person can be in, it's just much easier for companies to really thrive. So I work a lot with people and also studying all the time and creating content around human design. Mm. So we'll be getting a lot into the content side of things. I think it's really interesting to talk about how it's so you're saying you were doing human design, even in 2016. But mm -hmm. back then, you didn't have the public presence that you have now. Totally. And you've blossomed into doing this on such a big scale. And it's really been picking up in the world. And I'm curious to know what role social media has played 
in that evolution of yours and also how it ties into your own personal energetic expansion because I really think that the two go hand by hand and it's always interesting to explore the individual stories of how they intertwine and feed each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I was honestly very uncomfortable with social media. I think when I first started studying human design and met my former business partner in 2015, I think that like, and I was actually working full time when I, when I met you, I think that like, I, I think I maybe had human design in my bio, but I never shared anything about human design. I like sometimes posted personal photos and it's so funny because like my strategy in human design, if anyone's familiar, I'm a projector, which basically means I need to be kind of recognized and invited in. But the key piece of that is you need to make yourself visible and available to be invited in. And so like, I just wasn't making myself visible at all. And it was also at a time that like no one knew what human design was and people were not really ready for it. And so I think that that, as you've seen, has like really shifted in the past year. And so, so I think that like probably a year ago, I feel like last August, I just started sharing consistently on Instagram because I was like, I got to just like put myself out there and at least let people know what I'm doing. And it's been amazing. You know, I think that it's like, even just today, I like was sitting in Bali in a cafe and a woman came up and she's like, are you Erin Claire? Like I follow you on Instagram. I've listened to your podcast. I love human design. I was just like, what? It's just really been such a muscle for me to build and just learning how to create content every day, but also just been such a powerful tool in connecting me to people everywhere. You know, so I'm definitely still learning and I, I wouldn't call myself a pro in any of the ways, but I think that it's been such a powerful tool and also definitely built my business on the back of that. Tell me more about building the business on the back of it. What role does it really play in you getting opportunities, getting covered, getting booked? I think that just a lot of people find me through Instagram. You know, I think that a lot of clients, a lot of podcasts have speaking opportunities, companies. I think that again, it's just, I know that my work is to make myself visible. And so, and by doing that, I think people know what I'm up to and know when to reach out. So I just, so many opportunities have come from that. And I've also had a lot of people that I worked with share and, and spread the word. So that's helped me kind of build some, I mean, I wouldn't even say I have much influence, but build some community on Instagram. But I just think that people wouldn't know what I was up to otherwise. And I think that I I just see it as part of my job to kind of document what I'm doing. And I get honestly super excited to do it. So I just think that because people are aware of what I'm doing, they actually know when and how to reach out. So we kind of breezed through the part where you decided to put yourself more out there and make yourself more visible and use Instagram to do that through content. What are the specific steps that you took to do that? And also, what did it take from you? Like, what limiting beliefs or thoughts do you have to release to really allow yourself to be seen in that way? Well, it was prompted by my partner, actually, who was, I just think I decided to post every day. And so like, I think I just created a container for myself where I had to do it. And it really didn't feel good. Sometimes I would wake up and I'd be like, I literally don't know what to post, (laughs) you know, and I'm not inspired and I don't know what to do. And then there were days that I was super inspired. So I think that you know, I think in terms of limiting beliefs, I think it just required trusting that if I showed up authentically, I would attract the right people in. And I think that I definitely have gone down the spiral in social media where I've looked at other people doing human design or doing other things and like, I'm just not doing it as well as them or like whatever it is, you know, and felt like I wasn't enough. And that's just been part of my process is just trusting that I've just got to be authentic. So I think honestly, the most helpful thing for me was just creating the container of having to wake up each day and post a thing, even if I wasn't inspired. And now I don't post every day, you know, and I I do try to post when I am inspired, but I do try to keep that frequency because I know that if I don't have that container for myself, I'll just drop off. You know, it's interesting. 
in my Conscious Social Media program, I always share my own approach to social media, which is to share only the things that actually make you feel lit, that actually inspire you. And if that means not posting every day, then fine, because people are going to pick up the energy you've put into your posts on the other side of the screen. But at the same time, I have to applaud your (laughs) commitment and consistency to choosing to do it every day. I had to start that way. (laughs) Yeah. Because sometimes that's just what you got to do. You got to put a little force in it and it will pay off. And you're actually the second guest who took that approach. My first guest, Megan Moon, she was building up a presence on YouTube and she committed to posting, I believe it was something as crazy as one video a day for 30 days. And she actually did it. And it grew her channel like absolutely crazy by tens of thousands of subscribers and it actually worked. And now she doesn't do a video every day, but that presence in that community is there. So it's just like creating a garden. You know, I started my first garden in my backyard two months ago. And the first two days, the weekend that we were planting it, I wish someone told me how much energy it actually takes. Like the following week, I couldn't move. My wrists were hurting. My legs were hurting from squatting. It was just like, oh my gosh, is this, does this ever stop tilling the ground and putting, taking out the weeds? It seemed like it will never stop, but now there's barely any work that I need to do. And we have a harvest of tomatoes and lettuce and cucumbers. So sometimes it's just what it is. You have to really show the universe that you're committed to the work and put it all in before you start reaping the fruit. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel that, you know, and people are like, even with human design, it's like I was studying for years before I was ever like recognized for it, you know, and just kind of trusting that. But, but I totally hear what you're saying. I definitely notice like when I'm post something like uninspired, like it just like, it's harder for that thing to resonate. And so like, it is, I think the advice of just like posting things when you're fully lit is like, so right on, you know? And so it's such a funny little universe Instagram. I think it's taught me a lot, but I think just the creating a container and the requiring consistency of myself, I think has been very powerful for me. Like at the very least, just creating a lot of content, which I think is going to be really useful at some point. Yeah. So before we get more into human design, which I'm really excited about, can you talk to me about boundaries and how you set boundaries with technology and with your phone? Because again, there's a fine balance. You get clients on the platform, so you need to be available. But at the same time, you also need to stay clear channel to deliver the work that you're here to deliver. So where where is your balance in that? You know, I'm honestly learning that. I think that, and you know, I can always track it back to my human design because like one of my biggest shadows is being very overzealous. I'm too responsive. And so I definitely have found myself doing that because I'm honestly just so frigging excited about it all. So I'm like, oh, I'll respond. I'll do this. And so I think it's actually been incredibly helpful to be in Bali because I'm 12 hours apart. And so I wake up to just a lot of emails and then it's just quiet for the eight hours in the day when I'm working. And so I've been able to create so much more content while I'm here. And then the emails start coming in at night. So I think that I, you know, I do my best to just structure my day where I just get very clear on their priorities and I give myself time. I, you know, I try to respond to all my Instagram messages and comments like once a week, you know, and so, and just know that I have a time to do it and not feel overwhelmed. Obviously, if things are immediately, you know, they need some sort of urgency, I'll respond. But, but I also think that I don't have a big team right now playing a lot of different roles. And so I do need to be really present for my clients. And so like, I definitely think that I'm probably more on technology and more available than I would be ideally, but that actually feels like a very important piece right now. So I'm learning the boundaries. Mm. So mm, aren't we all? <laughs> Always. <laughs> 
always there, there's not one answer you know and even you saying that you're not a pro at instagram i think some of us have more tools in our toolkit and how we share but the technology is always changing the platforms are always changing so even the moment someone does feel like they become a pro the platform might become irrelevant so i think it's just all about feeling good and feeling like what we put out there on social media into our feeds is a full expression of who we are our guests and how we serve others. And I think you're doing an amazing job with that. I think it also comes from like, I think I just have to be in a certain place to create as well. And I think that's what I've learned about myself when I'm really taking care of myself. And, you know, it's like, it's very easy to create, but when I'm like just reacting and feeling overwhelmed, like it's very hard to be creative at all. So I think that like my work is always just creating the container in which I feel really good and inspired and like excited to put things out into the world. How does taking care of you look for you, Erin? I think that, you know, I'm, again, this is like, I'm always learning this as well. I think that like, I definitely always try to hit the basics of like moving my body and practicing my Kundalini and like sleeping enough. So, and eating well, and those feel like more habitual at this point. But I think what I'm really learning is just like, honestly, spending time alone and having time where I'm really not doing much and giving myself time to be creative are actually the most essential pieces. And I think that's been a little bit harder for me to access in New York And so, you know, I'm on the road for two months now. And so it's been like such a treat to have that space. But I think that, yeah, I think self-care is increasingly just giving myself time to not do much and not be productive and just be with myself. Yes, I'm so with you. Being with yourself. I think so often we rely on others or experiences or things outside of us to provide that self-care for us. But if we get honest with ourselves, it's just being present with exactly the way things are with our own quiet inside. So thank you for that reminder. Absolutely. So human design, how did you get into it? So in 2015, I met somebody at a party in New York City and he looked at my human design on his phone and started telling me all these things about myself that I knew, but I hadn't really like given myself permission to step into. And I honestly got pretty hooked. I like had a little bit of space from that first interaction. And then, and then I was introduced to it in depth. And I just like had never met a system that was so specific and tactical and actionable. And I really immediately saw its application of business and companies and I'd come from the startup world. So like, I just knew that I just felt so pulled to learning everything I could about the system and making it as accessible as possible. So it was pretty like immediate, but it's been such a long journey. And of course, like many bumps in the road in terms of figuring out how to really share it in a way that is the most effective. So talk to me in terms of, you know, I've also had those moments where someone tells me about human design, pulls up my design on my on their phone, tells me everything about me. And I kind of have made the check mark in my head. Okay, this is something interesting. This is something I want to come back to. And especially because I'm told that I'm a manifester and the kind that's very rare. So that was very flattering to my triple Leo self. That's one of the reasons I kept coming back to it. But Can you just give us a glimpse into what it takes to learn how it works and who do you have to be to be a human design reader? Are there specific requirements or how does all of that work? Is it like going through a yoga teacher training or is it just like coaching, doing it over and over again, adopting different methodologies? Or is it like astrology where you see the same thing, but everyone has a little bit of a different interpretation way of expressing it? So I think that like, it's, you know, human design's wild. It's a lifelong study. There are endless amounts of information. So I've been studying it for four years and, you know, I'll be studying it for the rest of my life. Like there are just so many different pieces. 
And it definitely takes a lot of time to integrate, to actually know how to communicate to people. And so I think that it's evolved so much for me over time. But I think it's kind of like the wild, wild west right now in terms of like how people can get into it. You know, I personally met somebody who became my teacher and business partner and he taught me for a year and a half. And then I didn't feel comfortable with my education being tied to one person. So then I went through multiple certifications and that felt correct to me. I think there are a lot of people out there that are self-studying and figuring out as, as they go, but it is a very like complex and dense system. So it requires some serious implementation in your own life and practice to like really understand it. But I think what's so fun for me is that I've been studying it for a long time now and like, you know, have listened to a bajillion recordings, read a bajillion books, but I actually learned so much in my work with clients, you know, because if I know that they're a manifestor, projector, reflector, hearing their life experience and how it shows up in their own life, like just gives such nuance to the way that I share it and gives me so many powerful examples. It's something I'm learning constantly about just honestly like through people's experiences because I can tell you what it means to be a manifester, but I don't know I'm not a manifester. So actually having conversations with all these manifestors is so powerful and I think is really just like enriching, you know, my toolbox of what I can really share about it. So in terms of practical application, first of all, what were you doing in the startup world? I kind of always start after college, I started working at startups pretty immediately. I had like written my thesis on social entrepreneurship. And so I was really interested in just companies and young companies. And so I was like in a bunch of roles around like community and business development. So I worked at one startup for a couple of years, and then I ended up consulting for a bunch of wellness focused startups and doing a lot of business development. And one was a meditation one and, and teaching for them. And so it kind of ran the gamut, but like, I just like, it was a really creative outlet for me. But I think, you know, something I really observed during that time is that these companies like all attracted the most amazing people, but like they just like didn't really know how to work together or function together. And so I think that was a really powerful piece for me to see before I was introduced to human design. And then how did you start applying it? You know, in terms of organization, what's your approach? Do you first take it to the leader and talk to them about their leadership style? Or is it brought to the team in a team setting and everyone learns a little bit about their human design and how to apply it to work? Or how exactly would you take something as vast as human design and apply it to corporate structure? So, you know, I think that there are a couple of different approaches. Like it is often the leader that brings me in, but honestly, like it, often they just need one ambassador. If like one person really gets it at a company and is like inspired, then it's easy for other people to get on board. So human design for anyone who's not familiar, it's based on your exact time, date and place of birth. So you can imagine it's like a little bit wild to go into companies and like ask everyone for their time, date and place of birth. But I think as long as like there is buy-in from one person, my experience is that people are like incredibly open. So I'll generally like do deep dives with like leadership teams or smaller teams to really just go deep into how people are designed to operate optimally and like how to just best function as a unit. But I'll also do full team workshops, you know, where it's really just fun and light and accessible and just like giving people this like common language, language to like understand their differences and how they can best communicate with each other. So it kind of depends on what the intention is, whether it's team building and connecting or whether it's really around like functionality and kind of improving a team's like ability to be successful and productive. I've gone it. this isn't really a consistent offering, but I've also gone into teams and sort of done one-on-ones for everyone as well. So it depends on what they're really looking for, but it's so fun because it's just like, again, it's so powerful to learn about how you work individually, but when you're learning about the people that you spend all day with, and it just really... I just love that environment because often people just get to learn about each other in a new way and also start to really respect and have compassion for each other in a new way. Can you think of a specific example where 
in a startup or a corporate setting, or even just an entrepreneur you were giving a reading to, where learning about their human design really transformed the way that they either do their business, the way they operate or communicate, anything that impacts how you show up in the world and how you make money. Totally. You know, I think that I think of these two co-founders that I worked with and they were struggling because I think that they like knew that they were different, but they didn't really know how to handle their differences. And so often these like tensions would come up and just like, they wouldn't be able to resolve them. And so human design just honestly like surfaced it all and gave them a language to talk about it. So for example, like one of them was a generator, which meant that they had this like amazing energy to like build and create and do things. And the other one was a projector, which meant that they were like an amazing leader and guide. This person was often the one like speaking but didn't have that same capacity to do the doing. And there had come and there was some tension because they just like weren't able to keep up. This person wasn't able to keep up with the generator. But also one person was designed to make decisions super slowly and the other person needed like a couple of days to really sleep on things. And they'd been coming up, you know, with some tension as well there because one was putting pressure on the other one to make decisions more quickly. And so there were just some like very fundamental differences between the two of them. And so surfacing their human design and giving them a language to talk about it was so powerful because they were able to kind of see things immediately when they came up and like saw them as just like the energetics that were at play and gave themselves permission to be different. And like, it wasn't those tensions that could be resolved within a conversation. I've definitely implemented this in every team that I worked in, you know, in two business partnerships now, like with people that are very different than me. And I just think it's been so powerful because I think where the greatest challenges are is when we like expect people to be different than what they are or more similar to us. And so when we really allow them to be different and like understand how to communicate with them and how they make decisions, it's so transformative. And like, even at the assemblage, you know, I helped curate all their programming. I managed a team of nine people and they were like manifestors and projectors and generators. And, you know, I communicated and managed them all very differently based on their designs. And we did human design for all the teams internally at the assemblage. And it was just so cool because like, it just allowed people to really be in their places and not try to be something that they weren't, that they were not. That's so cool. I just had this crazy idea as I was listening to you talking about how every human design interacts and communicates and leads differently. What I see when I teach social media to people is that people receive the information differently and people also communicate very differently and express themselves very differently. So how cool would it be to release Mm -hmm. a series of ebooks about Mm -hmm. social media strategy and how to grow your presence? in the world based on your human design instead of trying to, you know, fit something into your life that just doesn't fit in. Oh my God. No, I love that idea so much. But that's also where people get so tripped up because they're like, I'm supposed to market in this way, but it doesn't feel resonant. And like, that's not really actually the way they're designed to. Right. So how many types of human design are there? Can you name them for us? Oh my God, of course. So there are five different types. So we have generators, manifesting generators, projectors, reflectors, and manifestors. So Erin, you are a projector and I'm a manifestor. What does that mean about how we communicate and how we can make interactions the most effective and flowing? So as a projector, projectors, their strategy is all about waiting to kind of be invited in and recognized. So my work is like making myself visible, but for you to know that recognition is super important to me. So like recognizing me and inviting me into opportunities is definitely a good way to function, which, and then for me, it's like, I know that you're a manifester. You're here to like initiate and get things started and your strategy is all about informing. So all about kind of letting people know what you're going to do before you do it once you know that it's the right thing. 
And so what I can do for you is like inform back to you, like instead of asking you all these questions, it's just kind of like letting you know and keep you updated and just like having a very open channel of communication. But also like manifestors are super powerful, you know, and they, and so it's really just like empowering them to kind of do their thing and not trying to like control them or guide them or manage them in any way. Like when I've managed manifestors in the past, it's been like, this is your domain, go do your thing. You have all the freedom in the world. Like, let me know how it goes. And that has generally been the most successful. And for them, they've been like, you're kind of guiding the process. Like you can kind of come in and out, but and and they have honestly done a great job of recognizing me. So, and it's, you know, there are other specific elements. Like we both, even though we're two different types, we're both emotional in our design, which means that we both need time when we make decisions. So rather than making decisions impulsively or off the bat, it's really good to kind of give ourselves time to sleep on things and really feel into things before we jump into something. And so for both of us to never pressure each other to kind of make decisions quickly or impulsively or in the moment and give ourselves that space to kind of get emotionally clear. Mm, mm, I love it. and. I keep going back to the topic of human design and social media. Yeah, I love it. How did your design, what role did your human design, how did it impact how you show up on your social media and what what strategy you adapt long-term? You know, I think for like projectors in general, like I've just had this mantra in my head or just reminding myself that my work is to make myself visible. Waiting for an invitation and recognition is not designed to be a passive thing. Like when I first found out that aspect of my human design, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like sit on my couch, you know? And so I've just, (laughs) and it's so funny because like when I first started studying human design and working with people, I look at my Instagram, like I shared nothing. I didn't let anyone know what I was doing. And so I think like over the past two years, it's been, I've just been, I'm just going to share super authentically what I'm excited about, what I'm exploring, what I'm offering, and just trust that the people that resonate with it will come. And so rather than like seeking out companies or seeking out people to share my stuff, it's really just been my work is to share as broadly and as authentically as I can. And that will attract the right people in. And I think also for projectors, sometimes it can be a little bit intense if we try to like sell super explicitly or if we try to like reach out to someone very specifically. And so Again, I'm just I'm just going to let people know what I'm doing, what I'm offering and just make it available to them. And so I think that I've just always had to remind myself that it's all about like making myself visible. People cannot find me if they don't know. And so that's why social media has been such a cool tool for me because it hasn't been, I don't think that I sell very explicitly on it. I definitely like make it super clear what my offerings are, but none of this stuff is meant to be very like salesy or persuasive in any way. It's, these are the aspects of human design I'm super excited about. I hope they offer value, even if it's just like reading this one post. I hope that everyone listening, you get as big sense of relief as I just felt, because I think so often when we take online courses or masterminds or whatever that is, we're all being told the one strategy that worked for the person leading it most of the time. But there really isn't one way. And it's so smart to take what's being shared with you and then think about your design and who you are and how you express yourself and make it realistic. Because if you told me to do cold calling all day long, which is something that my fiance does, I can't fathom doing it. I would probably be the unhappiest person ever because it's just not me. And yes, I could close a lot of deals probably, but it's just so out of my element and so against my design. And I think it's an, such an important thing that you're saying, Erin, if we want to be discovered, if we want to be seen, if we want to be invited to opportunities, and that goes to anyone listening to this podcast, I know you are on your path to expand, to be seen, to bring your work to more people. You can't just be thinking about it all day and talking to your mom and best friend about it. You need to put it out there. You need to make yourself discoverable. 
And it's just so funny because it actually is so common when people are like, I've done all this work. I even had a session with a woman yesterday and she's like, I have so much to share. And I'm like, and who have you told about it? Like, she's like, no one. I'm like, how in the world do you expect people to discover you if you're not letting them know at least what you're up to, you know? And like, and it's going to show up differently for each of us. You know, there are some people where like they're designed to kind of build their businesses, like through their community and through their network, through the people they know. So like sometimes some of these people are a little bit less comfortable sharing on social media because it's really all like designed to be kind of referrals and just building community in a very in-person, intimate way. For you, a big aspect of your design is on like experimentation and making mistakes and like learning as you go and discovering. And so often people that have that, it's just like sharing all the things that they're learning and like giving themselves all the permission in the world to try the things that work, figure out what doesn't work, and then just kind of share it with their audience. And often that process and their learnings can be so empowering for people. That's so me. I'm always starting new things, yeah. trying new things. And sometimes I make myself wrong for not continuing them. But you're right. I think my mission is to just follow my curiosity and do things that feel right in the moment and let them go when they've served their purpose. And that like process of experimentation, yeah, probably just brings you deeper into what you want to do. So we have covered projectors and manifestors and how social media, what approach to social media can be most empowering. Can we just wing it and go to the other designs? Yeah, there are going to definitely like, I'm kind of overgeneralizing here. So I think that there are going to be elements of your design that are actually going to be super, that are going to inform it, that we can't get into because they're so specific and they're going to, you know, vary. But I think in like general, like with generators and manifesting generators, like the most important thing, like these are the people that really have like the energy and the life force to kind of build and create and bring things to life. And it's all about like what they're lit up by and what they feel incredibly energized by. I would encourage these people in their marketing to like only do the things that feel like honestly so exciting to do. They might have some beliefs that tell them like they can't do it, but like, I was sitting with somebody in a session the other day and he was like, you know, I'm supposed to be like building my marketing this way. And he's like, and it just feels so gross in my body. No part of me wants to do it, but like, that's what I'm told. And like, I was like, you're a manifesting generator. Like you're going to be so on fire about what you're doing. And so like, you've got to just follow the strategies that feel the most exciting to you. So I just think that like, even when it comes to marketing as much as you can, like whether it's Instagram or speaking or whatever it is, just choosing the strategy that actually just like the process themselves the process itself just feels incredibly exciting in your body. Makes sense. Yes, it all applies to me. You know, I understand that there's different designs, but I think we all have different aspects of us and we can learn so much from those different aspects of ourselves and from each other. Exactly. And I think that like, and there are elements in all of our designs that like carry those pieces. So obviously like with the types, we're super oversimplifying, but, and again, like at human design gives us just like a language to talk about this all. So like if other pieces resonate with people, I'm never going to like tell them to ignore that. And then one thing with reflectors, which is so interesting, is that like they are people that are incredibly sensitive to their like physical space. And so it's best if they're like actually just in physical environments that feel good and they feel really like recognized by the people that they're around and they really feel invited in to share their wisdom. And so I would actually encourage those people to like honestly just prioritize being in the right physical places because like that will really empower them to communicate and be invited in for their wisdom. And also what's so wild about reflectors, they're about 1% of the population. So they're super unique is that like their identity and their energy is shifting all the time. So like over the course of a month, they're going to have periods where they feel like a generator, like a manifesting generator, or like a projector. And so I would actually encourage them in terms of how they share is that to not force themselves into like one bucket or one way of doing things allow themselves to kind of be surprised every morning and just share what they're inspired by and honoring when they really have the energy for it and like also really letting go of it when they don't. 
you know, and I think that often there's a tendency to want to put ourselves in a box and like reflectors are actually, they're changing every day. And so just giving themselves the the permission to kind of express themselves in that way. That's so cool. Making me want to get into it on a much more deeper level. So for anyone listening who either doesn't know their design yet or has heard about it or wants to get deeper, what do you recommend in terms of getting started? So if you want to look up your design and you do know your exact time, date, and place of birth, um, you can go to erinclairjones.com slash look up and you'll look that up and it, you'll get a crazy looking chart and it's not supposed to make sense. But the most important pieces for you are going to be your type, your strategy, and your inner authority. So I would recommend like those are the great greatest places to experiment. Um, there's a lot of information online. It's super overwhelming, you know, so I, would, I wouldn't like go too deep into it if it feels overwhelming or isn't feeling exciting to you. But, you know, I do sessions. There are a lot of other people that do sessions. And I also have that offer, like I said, called Blueprint, which is a really great place to get started because it kind of just lays out the key aspects of your design and tools to really integrate it into your life. And there's some cool books out there too. Some of them are super dense, but again, just like get beginning with that type the strategy and the inner authority, like those are the perfect places to get started. So how did this come together, this human design? I heard that some guy channeled it. What's your take on it? (laughs) Let's take it back to the roots. What happened? Yeah, the whole thing is nuts. I love telling the story companies because they're like, where did this come from? I'm like, not where you expected. So basically in 1987, there was this guy, his name was Alan initially, and then he renamed himself Ra Uhuruhu and he was in Ibiza at the time and was walking home one day and heard a voice and when he was approaching his house and the voice basically said it's time to work and so the story goes that for eight nights and eight days he channeled the system and then actually spent the next 20 years building it out and now there are institutions around the world sharing it and offering it. Ra is no longer alive you know but a lot of his original materials are and so it's a system that didn't come from like us observing people or like it came from like something else. And I think what it uh, gives us is just like the energetics. It helps us understand so much of like what is underneath the surface. And the idea is that it basically draws from a lot of different systems. So it pulls from astrology and the Kabbalah and the I Ching and the chakra system and quantum physics and genetics and biochemistry, like all into this one master system to kind of give us a map of our unique energy. But it's a crazy story. Was this guy on some substances or like expanded consciousness state? <laughs> you know, we don't know. There are, some people think he was, some people think he wasn't. I don't know. You know, I think that he's so interesting because he used to be an advertising executive in Montreal. Like it, I don't think that like this was, didn't really feel like the route his life was headed towards, but then he just like totally surrendered himself to it. But he's amazing. I would definitely recommend listening to some recordings because he's just like so funny and so smart and like so not who I would expect. (laughs) He's really quite incredible, but I don't know if he was on any drugs at the time. But I do think that like it is whatever came through is so powerful. You know, and I think when I introduce it at companies, it's like, this is a crazy story. You can believe it or not. But like, you know, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm just asking you to see like if the information resonates or if it doesn't. And like I find that the most skeptical people actually tend to love it the most because it like is so detailed and so accurate that it actually like really appeals to their like very logical mind. Cause there's just like so many details and things that they can grab onto. But I think that like, again, it's and like, this is for anyone. It's just like, again, take the things that resonate, like leave the rest and start to experiment with them and play with them and see what happens when you like really integrate them into your life. Because the thing is that like, even though you're a manifester, like you don't need to operate like one, you could operate like a projector or a generator or a manifesting generator. But the idea is that life is going to feel a lot better and be probably a lot more successful for you when you step into that manifestor nature. 
you know, and same with me as a projector. I can try to initiate and go after things. Whenever I do, it's a colossal failure, you know? So like, I've just learned that like, I'm way more successful when I just like allow myself to really be a projector. So I think it can give people a real sense of relief if they're open to it. But you know, if they're not open to it, then you obviously can't force this knowledge on them. Mm. A couple of things I want to point out. The first one is first, if Mr. Allen was in fact on a substance, no judgment at all. I think we all have our different ways to getting to those expanded states of consciousness. So whatever it was for him, I am just grateful that he passed on this work to us. Oh my God, 100%. Number two is, I just love the way you're delivering this work because I've seen a lot of astrologers in my life and psychics and mediums and all kinds of healers and channels. And sometimes the experience is that the way that they see it for you is very dogmatic. You know, you have to do this. This is what's going to work for you best. This person is for you. It's not for you. And I love that you're you're giving us all the freedom to act completely outside of our design and make our own mistakes. I think that's just so refreshing and important. Well, it's just like, I think we learn as we go. And like, and Rai would call it, he was like, the whole thing is an experiment, you know? And so it's just like, we learn as we go. And that's why it's like, as a practitioner and someone who shares human design, like, I've got to live this stuff. And like, I'm always learning, you know, I'm like getting off track, you know, like not being a projector and then be like, oh my God, like I see exactly what happened, you know? So I think that it, it is, we get to like integrate our design, you know, more deeply over time. But again, it's just like a way of operating that often feels a lot better, but we're not going like, to learn that unless we like, try the other routes and see what doesn't work. And we like just start to see and start to practice it and see what's possible when we do. So yeah, I just think that like, again, it's all practice and I, I really can't share this with people unless they're ready to hear it. And it's really up to them to kind of integrate it into their lives. But it's not the one the piece I'll share is that it's not designed to be like a mental system. It's like designed to be like a very integrated one. And so sometimes I see people like studying it so much, which is great and getting into all the details, but unless they're really integrating those initial pieces, like those details aren't going to make that much sense. And so I would definitely encourage you to be slow with your journey, you know, practice the small, practice the fundamental pieces and then keep introducing more over time. What are some things that people misunderstand about human design? misunderstand about human design. Well, honestly, like I just think that like sometimes some of the language can be like a little bit like super mechanical and like, you know, for example, actually, this is a good example for you is that Rob would describe the aura or the energy of manifestors as repelling, which is kind of a triggering word. My teacher and like, he was so funny and former business partner, we would like go to events and he would meet a manifestor and he's like, you are, you have the most repelling energy. I was like, you can't say it like that. I was like, what, you know? And I think that like, so there's just like some very intense language that I think can actually turn people off. So I don't know if it's like a misunderstanding or more just like, it just doesn't resonate with people. And the thing is that like, honestly, a lot of manifestors I work with understand that language when we have a conversation about it. But I think there are ways to describe it in a way that is more that will land for people, you know, and get to the heart of it and isn't so provocative because really... So how would you describe it? I just think that manifestors, they often have a very protected energy where they kind of like are very discerning about what they give their energy to and can be a little bit more selective. If manifestors walk into a party, like they might not be the first person that everyone runs to because they kind of need to initiate the interaction for that person to feel like welcome and come in. Whereas generators are super enveloping and just kind of attracting all the things to them and projectors are like super Mm. focused and penetrating. So like manifestors to me just feel like a little bit more closed, but like once they initiate, it's amazing, but they're like very selective about who they can kind of bring into their energy. Does that make sense to you? 
Totally. And I don't know if there's a meme of all the different human design types at a party and what they're thinking, but there should be one. There should be one. It's so funny. Like my strategy at parties as a projector is just like, I'm like, okay, if I have to wait for an invitation, like I just will like sit in a chair and then like whoever wants to talk to me, like will come. But I'm just like, whatever. I like try to, one, a woman that I did a podcast with Katie, who has an amazing podcast called Let It Out. I was at a party and she walked in and I was just like sitting in the corner and just like people were coming. She's like, you're being such a projector right now. I was like, this is like the only way I know how to do it. So, but yeah, so I think, so in terms of misunderstanding, I think that there can be some, a lot of things that are misconstrued because of the language. I also just think that there's like so many, honestly, like details that when people just like go on the internet and start looking for stuff, I think a lot of stuff cannot make sense because they like don't know how to piece it together and they don't know how to get to like the essence of it. And so like, you know, I'll often have, I mean, just the chart is repelling. Of course. It's like so ugly, you know, and like just like confusing and a lot of numbers and like, it's just like, and and not ugly in a bad way. It's just like a lot. People are like, what in the world is that? And so I just think that, you know, I think that it's helpful to have somebody who knows or has gone deeply into it so they can really like speak the key pieces. Cause I'll have people come into sessions and they're like, I've read everything about a generator and like, I hate that I'm a generator or like I'm a projector and I'm so depressed about this piece. But like they read one thing that like just doesn't capture like the magic or the uniqueness of this person. And so it's really helpful to have somebody kind of give you the full picture because like often when those people walk out of session, they're like, oh, like I actually feel super empowered and like excited about my design because it's just giving me like... So you offer people a blueprint. Do you also offer anyone who wants one-on-one private readings? Yes, I do. Awesome. You guys go, if you if this is resonating, go get it while it's available on erinclairjones.com. Yeah. And we can do a discount for you and your people. Well, let's say the discount is going to be the code woke and wired. We'll find out what the discount is. You just put it in there and it will be a surprise. So before we start to wrap, one more thing that I really want to get into is, so you went from having a full-time job to consulting to doing human design. What is your vision from a business perspective on how you can grow and scale your offering? Because I can sense it's so clear how passionate you are about this work and how much you're helping people. And I'm curious to know what your vision is in terms of how to really scale it and make it work while you're traveling the world. Yeah. So I think that honestly, my focus right now, I love working with people. I love my individual sessions, but I also know that like there's a limit if my business is just individual sessions, you know? So I think that my work right now is creating offerings. Like Blueprint has been such a powerful one, even though I still had make them all, but is like a tool that now I've, you know, touch hundreds of people that I've actually never worked with or met personally. And so like, it's really about kind of building offerings that teach people about their human design and give them tools to integrate it into their life that can reach actually like far more people that I, that I can personally. So I think it's really about kind of building that offering. And then there's obviously all the company stuff, which is like honest, which I think that company, the companies I work with right now are amazing. It's very high touch, but also the company stuff is like, it's still very new to them. I think in two years, like companies will be like far more ready for it. But yeah, right now it's really just creating offerings that can reach far more people than I can just on an individual level through my sessions. Um, And that's going to take a lot of different forms. And I think that you know, my focus is like career and leadership and business. The thing is the principles of human design apply to literally every aspect of your life. Like when I go to companies and it's like, this is how you're designed to make decisions in the business world. It's like, and at home and with your children and in all the ways. So I think that I just want to find more ways to kind of translate it and give people tools to really integrate it into their life. Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm so with you. You're right. It seems that the one-on-one sessions are such a powerful offering, but at some point you just will have to 
if you really want to scale and impact millions of people and not hundreds or thousands, it's going to take scaling back on those and scaling up on the digital offerings. So I'm very curious to see where you take it and what's up for you? What's next for you with your travels? I know you're in Bali right now. What's happening? So I'm in Bali till the 28th of what month are we in August, which is great. I'm here with my partner. And then we go to Italy at the end of August. We're hosting a retreat in Tuscany the first week of September. So we're doing that. And then we're going to drive down to Sicily and head back to New York. And then honestly, the fall is a little bit crazy, but like that's, I can only see as far as like mid-September right now. Um, but it's been amazing. We've been gone for two months. We were offering workshops. Well, I was doing human design workshops in Mykonos before this. And then we came here. So it's been like a weird, not, you know, the journey has been, Bali's kind of far from wherever you go, but it's been really fun. I'm super excited for Italy too. Why did you choose Bali? Bali, because honestly, I love Bali. I like came here in 2016 when I was like first building my first business around human design. And it's been such a transformative place for me personally. And so I had these two work trips with Greece and Italy. And so I had a couple weeks in between. So I really wanted to come and I really wanted to bring my partner here. So it's like just such a powerful place to kind of be creative. Like I really am finding the space to kind of work on things and build things that like I actually haven't felt like I've been able to do in New York in like six months. So it's been, it's just like so generative in all the ways. So I'm I'm so happy to be here. It's going to be hard to leave. Have you been? Yes. I actually was there in 2016 too. After our trip to Israel. Really? I left New York. Well, I was there right before a trip. (laughs) I was there before. I was there in November, December. Oh, cool. And I've come back last year for a retreat that I attended and covered there. And my partner really wants to go back. I'm not ready yet. I'm actually, I have wide open plans of traveling starting this fall and I'm not yet sure where I will be, but I'm open to being guided and to experimenting. Yeah. My God. Yeah. You'll know. It's just like, the thing is like the Bali, like last year I was like, I want to go back, but like, I wasn't going to force it. And just like all this work stuff happened where I was like, oh, this is actually so easy. So it's been nice to kind of let all the work stuff and those invitations inform where I go. And what is the retreat in Tuscany? Do you still have spots? We have glamping spots. So we sold out our last house this morning, but yes, we would love if anyone wants to join. There are two glamping spots that I think can be made available, but it is a week. So I'll be hosting workshops around your unique design. And then my partner, his name is Jared Matthew Weiss, and he founded something called the Touchpoint Town Hall, which... He hosts conversations around love and intimacy and sex. And so he'll be hosting conversations on that during the retreat, which will be amazing. And then, I mean, it's a beautiful, it's like an actual olive garden. We'll be going to like thermal baths and just like beautiful, like local and organic produce. I'll be teaching Kundalini. We'll have a yoga teacher. It's going to be like amazing. And I think what also feels so good about it is that it's going to be very spacious. It's not like going to be a packed week of programming, but it's really designed to kind of give people space to just be with themselves. And then there's like stimulation when they need it. All right. We didn't even get into the Kundalini practice, but maybe we will next time. It's time for us to wrap. I know it's 10 p.m. in Bali. My day's just starting. It's a Friday here. It's the night after full moon and it was a bit of a crazy night. Were you feeling all the things? Yes. 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 (laughs) I never wake up in the middle of the night. And last night I woke up like three times. So it's been lots of, lots of energy that I'm feeling. And I'm so grateful that I got to wake up and have this expanding conversation with you, Erin. Before we officially wrap up, is there anything else that you were called to share? I don't think so. I mean, I think I'm, yeah, I'm so grateful to be here. You know, I think like similar after our Italy trip, it's like, 
I've been just witnessing you and what you've been offering the world and it's been really inspiring. So it's, it's fun to connect with you in this way. If you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action, start by writing it down. When we notice abundance and clarity in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on XeniaBrief.com. Subscribe to Xenia Brief Podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review, and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.